Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Talking USMLE podcast. My name is Dr. Paul. If this is your first time visiting, let me take this opportunity to welcome you to the show. Whether you're in pre-med, med school, or you're just looking for some tips on productivity, inspiration, motivation, and becoming successful, you're in the right place. Before we dive in, please do me a huge favor and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating. Five stars if you're enjoying the show. Let's not waste any more time. Let's dive in to today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Today, Dr. Saros and I are going to go through some of your Reddit questions and answer them to the best of our ability. Some of these questions don't have the best responses, and we want to make sure we help as many people as we possibly can. So let's just dive in. And we've got three random questions that we pulled up. And let's see what we can do, Dr. Saros, to help some students today. Looking forward to it, guys. So before we get started, guys, don't forget to like this video. Do us a huge favor. Please like it. And don't forget to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button hit notifications so that we can send you a alert every time we release a new video. All right, so let's dive in. So the first question we have here today is actually an interesting one. Um, I don't see this one very often, so I thought we should bring it up. So someone says, hi, this isn't necessarily step one related. I'm preparing for step one and I need to make some money on the side. Does anyone know of any online job to do like tutoring or anything else? Thanks. Dr. Savros, what do you think? You know, it's, it happens a lot. I mean, obviously you pay so much money for medical school and then you have the board exams and this is the only industry where you, you pay for tuition and you still have to pay. You don't have time to really work. So tutoring is, is ideal, you know, tutoring online Absolutely. Uh, in person was one thing, but now everything is online. So it's nice to have some sort of a option opportunity to not only study and go to school, but then also teach others online, which is awesome. Yeah, you know, um, about 10 years ago when I had just finished school and I started uh, tutoring, I had to go meet people like at the coffee shop and do it. Yep. And it limited dramatically what I could earn. Then when I discovered Skype, everything for me skyrocketed. If, if anyone watching doesn't know the story, that's basically how we all got started was I started tutoring. Me and Dr. Stavros, when we were in our peds rotation, we were doing some tutoring with the students, some group tutoring, and it was sort of a passion we developed. And then... I started tutoring and that's basically what led us to where we are today. Yep. Um, with that said, one of the projects we've been working on for a long time is our exambreakthrough.com project, which is a tutoring platform where it connects people who want to tutor with students who need tutoring. So whether you want to tutor for step one, whether you just want to tutor for anatomy, biochem, whatever, even undergrad stuff like biology, biochem, whatever, you can bring your skills to this platform and you'll, find students who are looking for that help. Students can come in, name their own price for tutoring. You can go on, tell them what you want to charge them, and then you meet in the middle or you, you find people who are you know, in a price range you're looking for, and you can just tutor. And we show you exactly how to set it up. Super easy. Um, exambreakthrough.com. There's also a link in the description below. Uh, I think that's uh, probably going to be a game changer for a lot of people, medical students especially, who might want to, you know, instead of you know, screwing around for two, three hours in the evening doing Netflix, they can make, you know, a couple hundred bucks tutoring stuff that they're already learning anyway, or all that they already know. So that's what I would suggest you do. I don't know of any other opportunity out there like this that has a platform that brings medical students the ability to earn money. Well, and I've seen this time and time again, if you're on Facebook, we have a team that checks Facebook and all the different platforms, 
you know, you have an individual that wants to make money, but he or she is out there just advertising. No one knows this individual. There's no credit. Of course. Yeah. So you might be the best tutor possible, but people just scraping through your messages. Whereas this is a platform, it's credible. We vet them. They come on in. They start at, you know, you have name your own price. And it's also the better you, the better you tutor, the higher you go in ranking. That's all. So, I mean, it's whatever you like. LSATs, MCATs, medicals, anything, nursing, whatever you need tutoring for, they're going to be there for if you've got something to teach and yep. you can teach it well, um, there's going to be someone there who wants your help. So check it out. Uh, it's free to join. You know, you get paid via PayPal. Super easy to do. Um, yep. All right. Let's move on to our next question. So this one's titled, I'm feeling super depressed. Let's read. Step one, 243. Step two, CK, 243. <laughs> CS first attempt, year of graduating, 2019. One publication, three US LORs, four months USCE, visa needed, applying for IMMPs. Honestly, what are my chances? Doc, what are my chances? Okay. The reason why I, I giggled and I laughed, and it's, it's not meant, it's meant to, to help everyone out there, because this individual, they're, they're depressed. Now, I don't know why. Those are really strong scores for step one and strong scores for CK. I'm assuming it's first attempt. Um, obviously, CS, great. They have that score. Your graduation, not that bad, right? We're in 2020, so that's, that looks good to me. Unfortunately, being that I see all lined up, this individual probably doesn't know exactly their chances because they don't know the system. They don't know what to do and what to expect applying for the match. So internal medicine, PEDS, two different types of specialties. You like PEDS, you like internal. So t this tells me the person has great um, components, but they don't know how to put it together to really highlight themselves as their perfect candidate. That's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we deal with this all the time in our residency roadmap program. We have students who come in with very poor scores, no US experience, and we show them what they can do to position themselves better. But we also have students who are crushing it across the board they still don't know how to package that properly you can have the best scores you can have good letters if you don't know how to package yourself and sell yourself then you're you might get something it depends what your scores are like but ultimately you need to be able to position yourself and package yourself properly so what i would answer to a student with good scores like this no fails um, i would say you know you're in good shape you just got to make sure you put everything together so that it looks good to prospective um, programs, yeah. but you know, there's nothing wrong with this. I, I would say, don't be overly dramatic guys. If you did well, don't be dramatic. Just reach out to people for help. Like we can help you. So, you know, even if you did poorly, don't worry about it. Reach out. There's a link in the description below for this too. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're just advertising ourselves here, but you know, we're not, these are just questions that seem to come up again and again and again. And this is a perfectly good candidate, but if you have no confidence in yourself, you're also going to walk into an interview sure. demonstrating no confidence and that's going to hurt you too. So you gotta, you gotta own it and you gotta put forth the best possible package regardless of the scores. This person's in good shape. And a couple of things to, to point out as well, a virtual interviews are this year. So that's yep. something many people are probably really scared and fear because you're not moving and shaking, coming in, shaking hands. It's more like you have to connect like we are, we're doing right now with you and knowing what to do and how to answer questions through this kind of different type of uh, communication. Also, yeah. you know, you have personal statements, you have resumes, and if you ask 10 different people, doctor, this individual specifically, to 10 different people on Reddit or wherever, you might get people who are jealous of you. They might say, there's no chance to get in, and that starts messing up with you, your mental state, because how can you guarantee or confirm these individuals are, have their be your best interest in mind? 
So when you come into a certain source that's credible and knows what they're talking about, and also there's no bias, it's like we want the best for our students currently in our program especially, we'll give you the truth. We never fluff anything. And at the end of the day, if we can't help you, we can't. And if we can, we can. That's all it is. I mean, you got to be careful who you ask advice for, from especially. They absolutely. will try to hurt you. I mean, absolutely. I see it all the time. So be careful. But yeah, no, it looks to me that she's, he or she is in good, in, good, in good strength, good standings to move forward. Now there's yeah. personal payment, resume, other little things that you have to really highlight. And that's pretty big, actually, for, for the match. Yeah. One more? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So we have non-US IMG, research and electives question. So the person writes, hey, guys, just wondering a few things. Number one, how much weight is given to research that is not published? And is it possible to match it to OBGYN without electives? Okay. So... How much weight is given to research, but it's not. So research is research. And, and it's interesting because a lot of doctors out there um, can get it published. Others cannot. It's still work. So right. that's, the, that's what we try to tell our students. And we actually do not try, but we tell our students in our program that you've done the work. Now you have to write it and you know, have to really structure in such a way that you can show them exactly what you did. Granted, everyone wants to get published. I mean, who doesn't sure. want to get published? Of but, course. Sometimes That's you can't get it published, especially in a month or in a half a month. So now how, what do you think number two, Doc? What do you well, think? let me just jump on the back of your answer. <laughs> this is also a good reason why when you're trying to get research, you shouldn't wait till fourth year. You should be reaching out to your network first year, second year. Get the ball rolling. Do the work so that you have time to let it get published. Because, yes, it's probably better if you've got a handful of things that are published. Obviously, it just it looks better. Yeah. Not to say that it's necessary, but... Um, you know, starting to reach out to people earlier will provide you with a better opportunity to make that happen. Now, question number two, would you, were you going to say something? Oh, please, please go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, is it possible to match into OBGYN without electives? So first of all, OBGYN is a core rotation. So you have to do OBGYN regardless. There's no, there's no, it's not an elective. Yeah. Now I'm going to assume that the student is asking, without additional OBGYN electives, maybe? Possibly. Yeah, it could be. I think because um, a lot of times, you know, the, the electives are obviously if you're doing a, in, you know, a pulmonology, critical care, ICU, ER, if you have an opportunity to do more OBGYN electives, I would say yes, yes. but it's not necessary. As long as you do your core, like you mentioned, the OBGYN, which is usually six weeks, right. at that point, then you're good to go. Yeah. And, and, you know, make the most of your OBGYN rotation by you know, making contacts, getting a really good letter recommendation and do a lot. If you want to get into OB-GYN, do everything you can so that you can really get a good feel for the specialty because some students want to do it and then they get there and they realize this isn't what I want to do at all. So yeah. make sure you know for sure by participating a lot, that'll get you a better, <clears throat> excuse me, LOR. Also um, keep in mind, this is a surgical specialty that also mixes in medicine. So Make sure you get, if you're only going to do one OB-GYN rotation, you get a really good surgery letter, maybe. You yeah. get a really good medicine letter, right? Because there's a lot of things that go into OB-GYN. It's kind of a combination of both. So keep that in mind as well. Um, now, without electives, if you mean without like fourth-year electives, that's just part of med school's curriculum. Mm -hmm. So you won't graduate without electives. So I, you know, there's probably, that's probably not what they meant, but I think uh, we covered probably every angle to that question. Yeah. I mean, it, especially if it's a non-USIMG, which we've dealt with many and many are in oh, our yeah. Tons. They have four, five, six-year programs in, in, their, in their home country, which is amazing. 
but remember when you come into the states you, a lot of schools, a lot of hospitals require at least one year of clinical research, clinical experience. It depends. You have to do the research. So at the end of the day, make sure what specialty you want. Like Dr. Paul said, do the research prior. If you need to do actually do research or do any kind of journals, think ahead. Don't come to the end and say, what do I do now? Because now you won't have enough time to do anything. Simple as right now for the 2020 match. Mm-hmm. And if OB they have a passion for, think about it. You know, Reach out to us. There's other options besides OB-GYN, but you need to know how to really leverage yourself for the residency. So just in case you don't have LORs, you don't have an experience, there's other ways to pursue OBGYN without literally applying to OBGYN, if that makes any sense. If it doesn't, yes. reach out to us. We'll let you know. Tell, we'll show you how to do it. Absolutely. Uh, you want to do one more? Let's go. Okay. So we got a pre-test day question about level of prep. So is it, the student asked, is it humane, humanely possible, probably humanly possible, Mm-hmm. Is it humanly possible to have covered absolutely everything during dedicated prior to going into the exam? I feel that by the end of dedicated, I have inevitably lost some knowledge, especially on particular details, regardless of how much I review. Mm-hmm. Is it, it seems impossible to know everything all at the same time. Anyone have any experience of feeling the same and ending up doing well? Thanks. Go for what it. Man. You think? I mean, I could jump in. It's up to you. Yeah. Um, so I'll give my two cents then. Um, I think everybody feels this way. You're never going to know everything to its fullest capacity, but that's why, you know, there's resources out there that, that, that will point you in the right direction. For example, you know, you might not know every single detail about surgery, but you should know the important stuff. For example, you should be able to make your diagnoses. You should know what the next best step in management is. You should know all the things that the CK tests you on. Now, if, if you, are focusing on the important stuff and you're not remembering that stuff, then we have a problem. Then my, my guess is there's a problem with the strategy you're implementing because sure. every student that we work with, when they go into CK, they know all of the important stuff. What's, what's a diagnosis? What's the next best step? You know, what are the treatment options? If that's a question that they could ask, um, you know, how to differentiate between two similar pathologies. Those are things you need to know. Uh, like I said, though, if it's, if it's an uber detailed surgery question that only a surgeon would know and you're trying to memorize that stuff, that's kind of irrelevant for this exam because I'm, I'm assuming uh, we're talking CK here. But yeah, it's a step two. Um, so, you know, if you are doing that but forgetting things, you have to improve the quality of your spaced repetition. Again, if, it's, if you're just worried about every detail, then I would say, don't be so inundated with the details, focus on the important stuff. Um, so yeah, that's basically what I would say. Also, it's possible that you'll cover everything, but it's unlikely that you're probably gonna miss something that there will be questions on because you gotta got remember, there, this is a, humanly, a human written exam. This isn't something where they just take a consistent pool of questions and it never changes. There's mm-hmm. always new questions being added and people write those questions. If, if Dr. Stavros, if you had a different experience than I did as a surgeon, then you're going to possibly write about things that you dealt with a lot versus things that I dealt with a lot. Exactly. Everybody's different. So you're never going to be able to know it all. But here's the great thing. If you can know a solid 90% of the stuff that's likely to be tested, you're going to crush the exam. So, hey, so those individuals guaranteed watching this are like, you know what? I can memorize quite a bit. Let's put it this way. Let's say you memorize the first tape as an example. No matter how much you memorize, let's say you memorize the first topic, cardio, you keep moving on, internal, everything else, 
When you get to a point, you will forget what you memorized a week ago, two weeks ago. Fine. Now think of just studying. If you're studying eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, many students I've heard out there, many students we work with over a year, year and a half, how is it humanly possible that as you keep moving forward, you're making sure that you don't forget what you have from behind? And that's the whole point. So you can't cover everything, it's impossible. And not only that, they ask questions that are pulled from research, from clinical research and trials that are currently being studied now as those kind of questions on up-to-date, day-to-day things. So there's no yep. way to be covering everything. So you have to think to yourself, you're asking questions like this on Reddit, that's wonderful. You're gonna to get tons of feedback. People will say, yeah, you can, yes, you can't. And as soon as you hear something you don't like to hear, so start, you're, so much, you're gonna start questioning yourself. And that's gonna start seeping in, and next thing you know, it's gonna affect what you are, who you are, how you are reading and studying. So just have a schedule, have a structure, give yourself a time frame. Is it three months, six months? Be realistic, don't take a year, it's not necessary. Unless you're working, have four kids, doing two jobs on the side, you can still study two hours a day. If you're home studying, listen to this, eight to 10 hours a day, there's no reason why you can't do it in less than three months, unless your foundation in medicine is not solid because you are just high yielding everything. And yeah, you built the roof with no foundation, it's gonna blow over in a storm, that's all. So be careful. I like that storm roof uh, analogy, because it's true, I mean, it really is. You gotta build that solid, everything you do, everything requires a solid foundation, just like, you know, uh, like w when you play football, if you don't have a, a good center of gravity, if you're not down low and your legs are planted properly, yep. easy to knock over. But when you get down and you have a solid foundation, that's why, you know, football players have such big, thick legs because they work on it to strengthen the foundation. Everything in life is about foundation. And if you build the foundation in everything you do, you know, medicine, uh, relationships, houses, then everything flourishes because that's the right way to do it. But yeah. And what Absolutely. you brought up is a good point because whoever's read, whoever posted this and watching this now, when you get into residency, hopefully one day, that's just the next chapter of your life. It's three, three plus three, three plus years of residency. You're learning more information. Step three. And if you want to get fellow, you want to do your board exams and, you know, internal medicine, whatever. So no matter what, you'll be faced with reading nonstop. So it's going to be a huge journey ahead. You won't know everything, but you have to read every single day and have a good work ethic and discipline. If you take anything from this video, take that at least. So. Love it. And with that said, let's end it on that beautiful note. Uh, thank you all for watching. Hopefully this was helpful. If you have questions, comments, drop them in the comment section below. Please like this video. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button so that we can send you every new video that we create. All right. Awesome. Thank you all for stopping by. Dr. Stavros, thank you. See thank you guys you, on the next episode. You guys. Thank you all for listening. I hope you found that to be helpful. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at RealDrPaul and you can follow Dr. Stavros at RealDrStavros. I hope you found this episode to be helpful. If you did, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and leave a review so we know if you're finding the show to be helpful. We thank you for listening to the show. We know that you could be anywhere right now, but you've decided to spend your time with us. And for that, we're forever grateful. Thank you all for stopping by. We'll see you on the next episode.
Thank you.